Time for seafood news. Hello, seafood fans. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode is brought to you by Ernaberry's Foreign Trade Data. Reduce uncertainty, minimize risk, and uncover opportunities with the only website designed exclusively for the seafood import-export community. Thanks, Lauren. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it means that I'm in Las Vegas at Erna Berry's Executive Conference, and I've successfully created a clone <laughs> for Lauren to do this podcast with. Or we've pre-recorded this. Or that. Or but- you drank so much that you can time travel now. <laughs> <laughs> or a hologram, like they did with like Tupac. There's multiple, op- you know, multiple options here, but whether or not this is pre-recorded, we still have a great episode for all y'all. So all y'all. All y'all. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm going to Vegas. I'm in Vegas, but that's like more like a Texas thing. Just let me have it. Okay, I like okay. all the all y'alls. So anyway, <laughs> we have a great episode for you people, <laughs> and we're going to kick things off with Highliner's sexy new captain. I'm sorry, did I hear you right? Yes, and I am not repeating myself, <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, uh, Highliner Foods changed things up and gave their iconic mascot, Captain Highliner, a brand new look. Now, this really is a visual thing, but it's so amazing and funny that we just had to talk about it on the podcast. So for those that are familiar with the OG Captain Highliner, he was a happy-looking gray-haired gentleman rocking a blue turtleneck and a captain's hat with the Highliner logo on it. Now he's lost the hat, ditched the turtleneck, and slicked back his luscious gray hair. Mm. He's even trimmed up his facial hair for a more modern look. So what are our thoughts on Captain Highliner's new look? We're We're digging digging it! So Craig Murray, the senior VP of marketing and innovation at Highland Foods, said in a statement that they wanted the brand's visual identity to reflect their modern product line and their passion for food. And the new look certainly caught the eyes of those traveling down the seafood aisle. Some noted on Twitter that the new Captain Highliner look uh, looks like a well-groomed and fit grandpa guy at a hipster bar. (laughs) Meanwhile, outlets like the Huffington Post are calling him a pretty hot silver fox. I like silver foxes. Yeah. Um, But when you think about it, Highliner's not the first company to update and kind of sexify their mascot. Um, in 2017, there was that Mr. Clean commercial where they had him like wearing the tight white clothes. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, that was, was like the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like dancing around the house while I scrub things. That was weird. That was like also like computer generated. So that was a little yeah, odd. Yeah. But um, earlier this month, KFC debuted a younger, hipper colonel who posts gym selfies and has a tattoo on his chest that reads Secret Recipe for Success. And I just shared the the Instagram profile with, <laughs> with Lauren and we've been like looking at it for like a half hour because it's insane. It is. It is. It, I, I like it. I mean, my first crush back in the late 80s was mm. He-Man. So I can really appreciate all these sexy characters. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm for it. I mean, like I don't. Like, I get we're modernizing the look. You know, I, I don't know what it really shows about their passion for seafood. I mean, he looks like he could be a very passionate guy. <laughs> Amanda, keep this G-rated. I just, like, I don't, you know, I'm just looking at him. And, like, the other guy, you know, he looks like he'd be tired at the end of the long day. And that's right, right. Neck, I know? mean, but you know. This guy, he's ready to shut off that peacoat and, and serve you up a You ever watch Deadliest Catch, catch Those Captains, I mean, they're oh, yeah. tired. They've yeah. been through uh, some rough seas, so. But they're so I passionate. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> moving along, uh, Fisheries Council of Canada has announced their inaugural class of Future Leaders Canada. That's awesome. The class includes uh, students from Clearwater Seafoods, Bader Canada, Marine Stewardship Council, Maui, and many others. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the program is in cooperation with the National Fisheries Institute and features three sessions. 
The first session will take place in Ottawa and address Canadian fisheries management, regulations, and government relations. The second session will take place in Chicago and address seafood distribution in the U.S. The third and final session will take place in St. Andrews, New Brunswick, and will focus on salmon farming, in addition to a roundtable featuring Canadian CEOs. And as a member of NFI's 2018 Future Leaders class, I can say that these seafood industry professionals are pretty darn lucky and about to embark on an amazing journey. So congrats to all that made the first class. Yes, bravo. Yeah. And enjoy. They're yeah. going down in history. That's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So in other news, U.S. Senators Ron Wyden and Jeff Merkley joined 25 of their Senate colleagues in an effort to preserve funding for the National Sea Grant College Program following the Trump administration's proposal to eliminate its funding in the fiscal year 2020 budget. In a bipartisan letter to U.S. Senators Jerry Moran and Jean Shaheen, the Senators requested the program be funded at its current levels next year, at the very least, and recognizable stakeholders requested for increased funding. Uh, the letter states, we urge you to reject the administration's proposed elimination of the National Sea Grant College Program. We are grateful that the committee included an increase for this program in fiscal year 2019, particularly as the increase was given in a challenging budget environment. As senators from some of the states with Sea Grant programs, we see firsthand how this federal investment is leveraged locally to bring immense returns to coastal communities, fishermen, universities, and students. Any cuts to this funding would have a devastating impact, and we strongly urge you to reject any proposals to reduce this program. The senator said in their letter that federal investment in Sea Grant programs yielded $579 million in economic benefits and 793% return on federal investment. Moving along, Euclid Fish has enlisted the high-powered law firm Hausfeld to file a U.S. antitrust case against Norwegian salmon producers. The case was brought in Miami District Court. Hosfeld won some of the largest antitrust cases and settlements in history, including one against a consortium of banks challenging their method of converting currency, and another against Volkswagen for their diesel emissions cheating. The complaints charged, uh, charges a conspiracy to keep salmon prices artificially high through coordination, explicit conversations, and coordinated attempts to manipulate the spot price of Norwegian salmon. It was touched off by the fact that the EC is similarly investigating a possible antitrust case against the major salmon companies. Uh, Maui, Salmar, Leroy, and Grieg have all confirmed that the records were seized by European competition authorities. Only about 1% of Norwegian salmon is sold on the spot market, but that market drives the price of the 99% of salmon sold on contract. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, the theory of the case is that the companies who all have subsidiaries that buy farm salmon use these companies to moderate price swings in the spot market, preventing the market from weakening as much as it would have without interference. There is nothing illegal about buying salmon when the price is low. Uh, the case would turn, under U.S. law, on whether the companies coordinated their buying or not, or whether they refrained from competing with each other in a scheme to stabilize prices. Thanks, Lauren. And finally, the Massachusetts Lobster Bill was temporarily killed again by the House of Representatives. Since 2016, when the Massachusetts Senate unanimously passed a bill that would allow for the processing of lobster in Massachusetts and the sale of lobster parts, such as raw tails, the state has been unable to modernize the law due to opposition in the House of Representatives. During the House and Senate conference, it was hoped the conferees would keep the bill and it would then pass into law. No such luck. Once again, the House stripped the lobster bill from the package. Seafood News publisher John Sackton writes that this is not actually because the bill is unpopular in the Massachusetts House. Rather, it is because there are individual legislators who have used their personal authority to kill the bill behind the scenes again and again. Kill Bill. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
In 2016, the Senate bill was never reported out of the House Ways and Means Committee. In 2017, the House substituted language calling for a study, which passed short-circulating the bill to allow processing. However, this game may be coming to an end. After the bill was killed in the conference committee, House lawmakers from New Bedford and Cape Cod were able to attach a rider to the state budget that would allow for regulated lobster processing in the state. Wow. Thanks, Lauren. And that about does it for us. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Bye.